I am Keegan, and this is A Bunch of Gamers. Due to the Mother's Day holiday and some unforeseen circumstances for one of the players, we are not continuing our werewolf for this evening, but instead we bring you Call of Cthulhu, The Haunting. The adventure will be linked in the description of this episode. Set in the 1920s in Boston, Massachusetts, a private detective a university professor and his grad student, the private investigator and the professor, being friends from the Great War, have come together to work as private detectives, receiving a call from one Mr. Knott, and they begin their next job. You enter the private estate of one Mr. Knott, a landlord who has an older home located near central Boston, known locally as the Corbett House. Mr. Knott sits in his home office as you knock on the door and he motions you in. He seems to have, he seems to be stressed. His face weathered and makes him older than his actual age. It's, uh, yes, come in. Mr. Brackstone, Miss Compton, Mr. Howard, a pleasure to see you, sir. Shall we get to brass tacks then? Yes, let's let's get down to business. I have a bit of an issue. The former tenants of my establishment, the Mercurio family, were involved in some sort of accident. I just want to understand what happened. There, there's so many mysterious matters, and everyone is so scared off. No one will rent from me. It just... After the tragedy, I want something material to appear. Something that we can use so that we can drive business back to the house and I can start making a profit on it again. Elise is writing things down. She's not really talking that much quite yet. Uh, John is going to be writing in a, a small notebook and he asks, well, what, what kind of incident was it? Uh, what does oh, the... Some sort of thing. You know how superstitious people are these days. Something about a ghost or something. All I know is that the husband went off his rocker and then the wife soon joined him from everything I can see. But yeah, here. Here is the address as he hands you a note note card. And I will pay you $20 a day for this investigation. Each, of course. Of course. Is there... People are superstitious, and superstition is usually a bunch of nonsense, but are people saying it's anything else besides ghosts? That's all I've heard, but who knows, though? I know that the house has some sort of history. You could probably find something out of old newspaper articles at the Boston Globe. Who knows? Perhaps the Central Library might have something as well, but who knows? The Hall of Records, perhaps? All right, yeah, that's... What I was thinking, well, and he's going to look over to Tyler and Elise. Do you two have any more questions or shall There's we There's no Tyler there. There's only Kyle. Oh. <laughs> I tried to make it easy. <laughs> I'm going to look over to the other two <laughs> and ask, do you two have any other questions or concerns or shall we get started? How long ago was this accident? Oh, about a few months ago. Maybe three or four. So it's pretty recent. 
Yes, I would say so. Recent enough. Recent enough to get me sweating over the fact of, that I've been lacking tenants for several months. Well, I'm sure if you market it to the college students in the area, I'm sure you'd get people lining up at your door. <laughs> Perhaps. Though, yeah, that might be a good angle to work while this goes on. College students seem to have less superstitious hang-ups, all that education and such. Anyway, we won't take up any more of your time. Just give us a day or two. I'm sure we'll have this case taken care of pretty quick. Oh, excellent, excellent. I've heard good things. I expect, I always expect the best from those I hire, so I appreciate the speed to which you have come. Of course, we'll uh, aim to deliver. Actually, do you have a way to put us into contact with someone from the Mercurio family, just in case? Uh, oh, I don't... Nothing on me. I know the two children are at, with relatives down in Maryland, but beyond that, I... I don't know much. Uh, perhaps some, once again, perhaps something at the newspaper will be there. I know that they thought about, they, they covered it to some degree. Of course, of course. Uh, thank you again, sir. Of course. As you all kind of get out, where are you heading? Ace is probably going to go to the library. Okay. Yeah, I'm leaning towards either, uh, leaning towards the library too. Okay. Yeah, same. All right. As you guys head to the central library you head in it's quite lavished one of the one of the best on the east coast as you move in the smell of books strikes you and you now can begin to get started could i get a library use please from each of you going through the books it take going through about for six four four or five-ish hours moving through cross-examining notes, laboriously going through notes, grabbing cards, the lovely librarian, Mrs. Mrs. Winston, giving you a nod and a smile, acknowledging your hard work. But at the end of it, John and Elise, you find nothing. You really come up with nothing. However, Kyle you do come up with something. And as you go through the notes and books, you've come across some information. As you all reconvene, as you find several things about the house and the address. Well, I found a whole bunch of nothing. Uh, Miss Compton, uh, Kyle, what did, did you two find anything? Nothing. A little something, though not much. The house was built in 1835 by a prosperous merchant, but he quite immediately fell ill and sold it to a lawyer by the name of Mr. Walter Corbett. Would you guys like to continue your investigation into the house here at the library? You still got about half a day's worth, which is worth another roll for you. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to still do the investigating here, though. Okay, but I get another uh, library use roll from the three of you. Ooh, an extreme from Kyle. Would you like to spend three luck there, John? Let's go for it. Let's spend some luck. All right, you spend some luck. All right, so Kyle, you find out these two things, and John, you, working with Kyle there, find this. So Kyle, as you're moving through and you start reading through books and things like that, you notice 
that John is kind of struggling and he seems to be in the same area. It is when he is moving through that he accidentally trips a little bit and knocks over several books. In putting things away and finding pieces of newspaper, or some of the newspapers, some of the clippings, some of the town records, and you helping him out, he finds something that aids you in your own investigation. And the two of you, as you start reaching the zenith of your, your investigation, come to the final conclusion that he finds as you all reconvene. Well, it looks like we found quite a bit. The lawyer we mentioned earlier was sued by his neighbors, wanting him to leave in consequence of his surious habits and unauspicious demeanor. He won the lawsuit, but when he died in 1866, according to his will, he was to be buried there. There was a second lawsuit to stop it, but there's no recorded outcome as John found. Yes. And no outcome for that second lawsuit. I suppose it's safe to say that he's probably buried in his basement. It does seem likely. At least gives reason to the rumors. You betcha. How would you all like to proceed? Well, we've what? pretty much spent the entire day here, correct? Yeah, the whole the day's over. Everything's kind of shutting down. The, the city lights are turning on. Like, it might be beneficial to start up again the next day. Oh, we could see what the Boston Globe has tomorrow, or unless you two would rather see the house. I'd say let's do some more research at the, at the Globe. I agree. And if we finish up early enough, perhaps we'll have time to head to the house. Because we definitely want daylight. <laughs> Very well. As you all kind of go home for the night, sleep it off, and you all reconvene at the Globe. As the Globe is a bustle, as... Folks are moving left and right. Journalists, couple investigators, the like. As you move in and go through, as you see the helpful desk clerk sitting there, you see her with a, a kind of nice... She has a nice smile, but, you know, she seems to be pretty tired with the day already. You see the name Ruth Blake on her... Uh, her desk. Yeah, I'm going to walk up to Ruth, and uh, John is going to say, Good morning, my name is John Howard. I'm a private investigator. I was wondering if I could take a look through the Boston Globe archives for an hour or two. Oh, how are you, John? Now, sorry, to get permission to go into the morgue, you're going to have to talk to Artie. You can find him up up a floor. All right, I'll go find Artie. Artie Wilmot. All right, thank you for your time. Sure. So you get to the office, you see a thin man with patchy hair as he seems to be desperately clinging to the last few strands that would dare have him, marching around with this kind of droll expression on his face as he kind of looks over at you. You get the sense that something is, that he is um, a less than pleasant human being. All right, John will walk up to him and say, hey, are you Artie Wilmot? Yes, I'm Mr. Wilmot. Oh, goodness. Uh, are you all looking for a job or perhaps the bread line? Well, I'm not looking for 
either of those. My name is John Howard, private uh, private investigator. I, me and my associates are looking into a Mr. Walter Corbett. I was told we had. Um, I was told to talk to you about going into your archives. Yes, the archives though are globe property. Usually only journalists and police are allowed down there as it contains some of our unpublished work and we do have, of course, the reputation of the paper to think about. And Mr. Howard's, was it? Yes, Mr. Howard. John Howard. Oh, yes, of course. Mr. Howard. What compelling reason could you give me to let you down there? Well, I guess that begs that, uh, forces me to ask what what would you like in exchange for giving us access oh you're asking for an exchange now that is uh, that is interesting what do you have to offer mr howard that would entice me to go against my journalistic and of course company loyalty my journalistic integrity and my company loyalty to well break from tradition oh perhaps a Perhaps a private donation to the globe? Completely anonymous, of course. Ah, I see. Are you actually going to make that donation, Thomas? Are you, are you trying to, like, you know, raise up how much you're going to give him when this is all done? Like, talk it up? Yeah. Okay. Then could I get a, a fast talk roll? All right. Give me just a moment. All right. Looks like that is not a success. Ooh. No, it is not, sir. I believe that you have said quite enough, don't you? You know what? Maybe I have. You know, I, as a, you know, a, as a citizen that is very much in favor of the integrity of of journalism and the fine reputation of the Boston Globe, I believe we'll just, I'll just take my patronage elsewhere since you're not willing to take a very sizable donation from a private citizen okay are you still trying to convince him yeah i'm gonna give it another try okay so that's pushing then... the roll so you're pushing the roll is what i'm hearing which means that if you do this and you do fail something bad could happen yeah let's let's do it cross your fingers that is quite enough sir get out get out i said get out as he starts shouting you see heads popping out of offices Security! Security! When Elise, or when he starts yelling, Elise is going to step up and she's going to hold up her hands and, you know, she's she's a pretty young lady. She's a cute little redhead and she's just going to say, please, sir, let's not be barbaric. It's a very important investigation that we are doing. What would I have to do? You're tackled you to the ground as security has come okay. in and is they're dragging you <laughs> <laughs> dragging All you right. out of the building. <laughs> All right. Sorry, no, nothing risked, nothing gained as you are unceremoniously yeah. thrown out of the globe. Let's not be barbaric. Famous last words before being football tackled. <laughs> well, uh, that did end early enough for us to visit the house. As I, I apologize, I was pushing my luck a little bit too hard there, I suppose. Ah, he was a deeply unpleasant man. Yes, journalists usually are. All right. As you drive in, you start getting into this more central Boston area. 
most of the houses seem gone as large, large kind of office buildings start flanking every side of the street, moving through as you step out and you see a shop open up nearby, man hanging out of it, one of his little shop cart, and you see the house in question, overgrown in the front yard, seeming to be the only private residence on the block anymore. And how, well, the brick building is simply overshadowed by the taller and newer office buildings on either side. The house fronts the street. In the rear are overgrowing plantings and a half, a half collapsed arbor. You can reach, re, you can access the rear of the house through either side of the residence. Studying the house, you are impressed by the way the house seems to just withdraw into the shadows cast by the flanking buildings and how the blank, the blank curtained windows hide all understanding from what lies within. Oh, it definitely looks the, the part of being an ominous place. No wonder this, no wonder people are superstitious about it. I think it could use a new coat of paint. Maybe a new location, too. All right, I'm going to walk up and try the front door. As you pull out the key that Mr. Knott gave you, you're able to open the front door as it gives a slow creak, opening up to a dusty hallway. It seems Mr. Knott is far worse at keeping track of time than what was initially thought this place has been abandoned for at least a year flanked on either side the closest opening door is to your right and just a few feet ahead is another door to the left there is a total of three doors to your left seemingly evenly spaced and two doors to the right one immediately towards the entrance and then one that seems to be at the far end of the hallway. Is there a light switch or any source of electricity? As you flip on the light switch, the lights start to flicker as they turn on, though barely giving any illumination. Even in the light of day, this place is gray, dark, shadowy. Uh, Miss Compton, I don't think even college students would want to stay here. You'd be surprised. All right, assuming I'm leading the way, I'm going to go ahead and take the first doorway on the right. Okay. As you enter, this room contains the convenient, fur the, the conventional furnishings, a radio, a couch, stuffed chairs, and shelves laden with several doodahs and things like that. But you can't help but notice the sheer quantity of crosses, the Virgin, and other very distinctly Catholic artifacts. You notice also that the door seems to, or the, the room itself opens up into another, and it seems that there is, these all three rooms on this side of the house are connected via a hallway. There's no doors in between them. Uh, Kyle is going to, as we enter new rooms, just open the curtains to see if okay. we can let in even a little more light. As you throw open the curtains, they bring in more light. It is it is definitely more pleasant and a little brighter, but you can't help but notice now the very odd fact 
that all the windows, as you open them, are nailed shut from the inside. How odd. This didn't seem to be a particularly dangerous neighborhood. I would say it's not. Well, the landlord did say that the husband and the wife both lost their mo- uh, He did. The landlord did say the husband and the wife did lose their minds. And perhaps they were just a bit eccentric. Perhaps paranoid is a better word. Yeah, some paranoia to go with their religious fervor. Uh, John's going to step forward into the the next room, kind of slowly walking through uh, the through the hallway and just taking a look around, seeing if there's maybe any, I guess, any clues, but there's probably blow off some dust off a few things. As you move through, you enter the dining room. It is complete with a long mahogany table, a built-in sideboard and seven chairs. Three plates are set and unused. Scraps of ripe Rice soup rot in a tureen. It looks like somebody forgot their supper. Well, perhaps the rumors about this house are a little more serious than we considered. I would have expected him to have at least had it cleaned before he tried to rent it or sell it. Yeah, Yeah. I don't think even college students would want to live somewhere where the food is rotting during the house tour. Well, considering the layer of dust on everything, I think he probably forgot he owned the property and then maybe remembered a few months ago. There's no dust on the bowl with the rice. There is definitely around it. It's almost like the plate had been brought out, eaten from, and left to rot without disturbing any of the other dust. Or it happened so long ago that the dust had simply settled. But it does seem less dusty, for sure. The terrine, at least. Perhaps there were some squatters? That was my first thought, perhaps, but I don't know. I think more than this bowl would be less dusty if that were the case. Uh, is there anything else of note in the dining room? Nope, it leads, though, into the kitchen. Mm. All right, I'll, I'll start heading that way. You head into the kitchen as you start looking around. It's a pretty conventional kitchen with an icebox, wood-fed stove and oven, and a pretty meager lager or larder. Some of the food stuff might be edible since there's several canned soups and meats, rice kettle, several pastas, and a few bottles of homemade wine. The produce, though, that hasn't spoiled, has clearly been eaten by rats, judging by the pitter-patter pattern in the dust as well as the droppings left about. Kyle is going to start checking drawers and cupboards. Going through drawers and cupboards, you find just more rat feces, several more dried goods, some silverware, nothing's been taken, napkins, the like. Are there any windows in this room? There is one window that is to the opposite of the door that leads back into the hallway. Uh, Elise is going to... Uh, pull up the curtains on that one and check it and see if there are any nails on it. Okay, there are. I wonder if they've bolted every window in the house. It does seem likely, at this point. Has the Catholic theme continued from the first room? Yes. Though the living room certainly had the brunt of it. This is certainly very strange. Whatever whatever was going on, I 
I feel like our employer did not tell us everything. Well, considering the amount of time it's actually been, it seems like he is remarkably disinterested. Definitely seems like it. And I'm gonna... Uh, John's gonna start moving back into the hallway again. Okay. And just gonna try one of the other doors, whichever is closest. Alright. So, there is one at the end of the hallway that seems to lead into some stairs. On the opposite side of you seem to be some stairs that lead upstairs. The door leads to a basement. As you approach the door, upstairs you hear a... Uh, Kyle, it sounds like it might be squatters after all. Did you, did the two of you hear that? Audibly. Elise is just watching up there. She's not saying anything, but it's clear that she's a little bit spooked. I did hear it, though I wonder exactly what I heard. Well, let's go and find out. And John's going to start heading upstairs. All right. You head upstairs as you start. You are greeted by, of course, another hallway. And then... A door immediately to your left, but the banging, judging from where you were downstairs, would have been in the next door up. I'm going to open the door closest to kind of peek inside, but I'm gonna okay. s- I'm gonna start heading towards where that noise was for sure. Okay, you open that door and it is revealed to be a bathroom with a sink and a bathtub and a water closet with an overhead tank. Towels and other possessions are still here, typical to a family of four. A brackish pool of water has collected in the bathtub, fed by the dripping faucet. Perhaps just faulty pipe work? It has been abandoned a while. I don't know, for some reason I'm not completely convinced. And uh, John's going to keep heading towards the the source of the the sound, the knocking. All right. So you get to the door. The door continuing. And John's going to push the door open and say, hello? You throw the door open and the room is empty. With the exception of a bed frame, a bare bed spring, and a dresser. It looks like a standard bedroom, though it's remarkably empty considering the rest of the house as you enter the whole room starts to bang knocks everywhere and you see blood bubble up from the ceiling and start dripping down the walls jesus christ what the hell elise hasn't seen anything like this before she's just kind of speechless watching it she's not going into that fucking room though no way Nope. Yeah, John's gonna just John's gonna slowly walk out. <laughs> He's not touching it. I don't want to say it, but I think there's there's something supernatural going on here. Yes, I I I think that was a rather overt way to be convinced of it. It is possible that that liquid coming down the walls could be something from the pipes, but I'm no plumber. Well, neither am I. It's either a case of very bad water damage, or hell, I'd, I'd, I'd rather say it's water damage. I, I think it remarkably suspicious that it would wait a year or more until we entered that room. It would be one hell of a coincidence. Uh, Keegan, yes. how many rooms are past that room? There are two rooms past that room. 
Well, if there are any bathrooms past this room, I suppose it could be the pipes. But if there's not, then there'd be no reason for water to run all the way across the upstairs and no reason for there to be water in that bedroom, particularly along all of the walls, as we saw. Yes, that that makes sense. If you two are uh, still up for looking. Well, we're being paid to look, aren't we? Well, at $20 a day, I believe we are obligated to look around a little bit more. Let's continue on. Okay, you on to the next room then? Yep. As you open it up, the knocking gets a little quieter, and you see that this room contains two small beds, two small beds, toys, a dresser, pictures of aircrafts, cowboys, and various other childhood staples. Well, seems like a typical child's room. Yes, but if anything, I would expect that they would take the children's things. Not necessarily. Unless whatever it is is trapped here for some other reason. Or they left in a hurry. Yes, I just... I, If the parents have gone mad, and if we take our benefactor at his word that they did, mad enough to go to an asylum at least, then I would expect the relatives would want to collect the children's things. But... Unless hmm. even the relatives don't want to come back here. Maybe the kids just didn't want their stuff. Perhaps it was them who were too afraid to come back. Well, without asking them, we won't know. Well, let's check this other room, see if it's another another bathroom. And then we can put at least one theory to rest. Moving through, you get to the last room down the hallway. It is an ordinary bedroom with a double bed, bookshelf, and window view. It's likely that this belonged to the parents. More crosses and many candles here. And a rosary that rests on a table beside the bed. Uh, I want to check that window, see if it's nailed shut like all the others. Go over, you get to the window, and it is nailed shut just like the others. Well, they were very thorough, that's for sure. Every window's damn well nailed shut. Uh, Size-wise, is this room bigger or smaller than the evil blood room? It is about equivalent size. I think we can assume that whatever's going on in that room was going on when the Mercurio family moved in. We still hear the knocking, by the way. The knocking has slowed down, but it is still there. Just occasionally a... Elise is going to make her way back to that first bedroom. Okay. The the evil blood room, as it has been dubbed. Okay. Um, I don't think that we shut the door or anything correct? No, you did not. Okay. Was there anything else of note in that particular room? Like a side table, anything else? There was a similar dresser? Like, similar to like what the parents had? There was a dresser, but this room seemed to be just fairly empty. As you get closer and the bangs start getting louder and more frequent, frequent all around, as the blood starts to continue on and the room just kind of has this horrid smell just rotting fishy mixed with that of excrement of goat just every horrid putrid smell seeming to concoct together and singeing your nostrils how is the layout of the room like is the door kind of like on the left the bed is on the right of the room so the bed is actually towards the 
northern wall close, fairly close to the door, actually. And across from the bed is another window with the curtains shut. Where is that dresser located in the room? The dresser is on, from you looking in, it'd be on your, the bed is to your immediate left, and the dresser's on the far left. So I'd have to go around the bed? Yes. Okay. Uh, From outside the room, I would like to try and peek under the bed. Okay. Can I get a spot hidden, please? Yes. Looking under, it seems pretty empty, like no storage, no boxes. I'm sorry, Elise, were you checking out the dresser then? Yes, she's going to uh, take a step into the room. You know, her hands are folded in front of her, you know, being very polite. Um, She's going to round the bed and see if she can see what's in that dresser. You open the dresser and you notice a lot of spare blankets, spare pillows. Seems to be something for guests. It is here that the window starts to rattle. Can I tell if it's nailed shut or not? You can't. Lisa's gonna look to the guys in the doorway, put the the dresser drawers back where they were, kind of gently make her way back out. She's okay. she's she's not feeling good about this. Okay. As I can't think of anything to explain this. I mean, if it is is some ghost or spirit or specter, maybe this is where Walter Corbett died. It is possible, and I mean. If it's this loud when we're just visiting, imagine how loud it was for the people that lived here. Yes, and I would guess that this would have been his room. It's the closest to the bathroom upstairs, after all. Well, the newspaper clippings did mention that the bait that he wanted to be buried in his basement. I suppose that's the next place we should look, but I'd, I'd rather not. Part of me doesn't want to, lest we find the still-rotting corpse <laughs> with all that's been going on with... And he'll trail off and motion to the room where everything is rattling. The evil blood room. We didn't explore the entire first floor, did we? No, you did not. Okay. Uh, we still had all the doors on the left, I think. I'd say before we go into the basement, we should check out the first floor. We want to be thorough. Quite right. You're right. You're right. Yes, let's let's go. As you go back downstairs, as the banging continues, just as loud as ever now, almost unceasing, you head back downstairs. Which room would you like to enter? First one when you get back down, or...? Yeah, I'd save the first one on the way back down. Okay. As you enter, you notice that there hangs here overcoats, hats, umbrellas, Several bags of coal for the living room's freestanding stove are here. You notice that the side door is secured with three bolts and two locks. Elisa's going to be checking in the coats, seeing if there's anything of note that might be of use to them. Okay. Going through, it's just same coats. This seemed to be a low to low middle class sort of family. Kyle would like to check the bolts and the locks to see if to see if they are different in make, because I would expect if they were installed at the same time that they would all be the same style of lock, same yeah, branding they, and such. Sure. They are the same brand. They're the same at least as far as your layman eyes can tell. Uh, if you want to learn anything else specific about them, you could roll locksmithing. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna... 
<laughs> try for it. Nor am I. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Just uh, shows a gap in our investigative team. As the door seems to lead, the, the bolted door seems to lead into the backyard. You yeah, move. let's move along, but I will make sure to unbolt the door just as a backup escape, just in case. Starting okay. to feel a little paranoid. This room contains older furniture that might be broken up to into wood for the stove, if necessary. Just old furniture that might be just a little beyond repairing or not worth repairing. Stored as supplies for cooking and things like that. Well, it doesn't seem like much else is in here. Now, you know, it's it's the damnedest thing. In a house like this, with that horrible room, I wouldn't be trying so hard to keep the outside world out. All the nailed windows and locks and such. Do you suppose that they were trying to keep whatever it is in the house? Maybe so. I mean, suffice to say, with that constant banging, as John gestures vaguely upstairs, I think anybody would go mad within a week. Whatever it is that's going on. The next room? As you move into the next room, the room is filled with boxes and junk, such as rusted water tanks and an old bicycle. At the end of the room is a cupboard, boarded shut. Elise is going to check out that cupboard. All right, you check out that cupboard. It's tight, but it seems that you should be able to wrench it open if you give it a good effort. Uh, John is also going to help Elise if she wants to get into the cupboard. Absolutely. She's going to look at both of the boys. <laughs> She's a lady. She doesn't do manual labor. As you grab and you rip and you get the cupboard open, inside are three journals of some kind. Each one signed with the property of W. Corbett. Well, I'll be damned. Our ghost of the hour keeps, keeps a journal. And he was kind enough to write enough for each of us. Elise is going to open up one of the journals and kind of just very gently flip through it because, you know, it's an old book. Mm-hmm. Mostly just to kind of look at the handwriting. Okay. Looking at the handwriting, what are you, uh, what are you trying to see in the handwriting? Um... She's just trying to see how legible it was. Um, oh, it's it's quite legible. The he wrote in quite small font, however, and thus it seems likely that it would take at least a couple days to kind of fully read and absorb everything within these journals if you so chose. Well, she's got her homework. Okay. Um she's going to offer to take the journals and just kind of keep them in her little knapsack. Well, that Works well enough for me. Um, do you think you could try the last entry, though? I imagine he would have written it just before his death, a man who journals this often, clearly. And Elise is going to kind of flip through the journals, see if she can find, like, how they're arranged date-wise. Because, you know, okay. there's three of them. There's going to be one that's written last. Um, she's going to flip to the back page of that one, and or at least the last entry. Okay. And see if she can at least, like make out some of it with such a small script. Sure. It is time for the action to be put together. The small-minded fools continuing to circle the chapel of contemplation. Soon, my flesh will be hardened as rocks, and I will fear just a bit less of those things 
those lurkers that I have put in earlier entries. Yes, it won't be long now till they try and go for the chapel. And soon I will go and be put to rest away from the small-minded fools to continue my own journey. And Elise reads that out and she kind of looks at the, the gentleman with her. She's like, what on earth does that mean? Was he crazy too? It gave us quite a lot to go on, though. If we wanted to call it for today, I, you know, I can see what I can do overnight and at least get some of it transcribed in at least a bigger script. We could start fresh tomorrow. Maybe whatever's going on upstairs will calm down by then. That seems like a good, that seems like a good idea. Maybe we can, maybe if you read through those journals, you can find out what and where this chapel of contemplation contemplation is yes and if if you feel another set of eyes would be helpful i'm always available the more the merrier okay as you guys leave the house you notice the newspaper vendor look up and he seems to have a look of shock on his face as you all exit the house uh sir we're uh looking in to what's going on in this house do you think you could lend your mind to that effort I I can certainly try that. You all are the calmest I've ever seen anyone leave the Corbett house. Yes, well, uh, much of the excitement was in the middle of the exploration. Uh, we calmed down a bit after oh. the blood of the walls. He's sounding just like that old Mr. M- Mercurio. Best be locking you in Roxbury Sanitarium, too, huh? (laughs) Did you you know him by any chance? Oh, I've been peddling papers off this spot for some time. I remember this place was possibly going to turn a profit, and old Knot was super excited about his new investment and, you know, renting it out to that poor, nice family. And then he's trying. He's getting desperate now. No more houses around here, so if he, this place if this place doesn't look like it can turn a profit, he's going to have to sell it at a loss. That's my guess, anyway. <laughs> Finally hired some real investigators, huh? He'd been looking around himself, though he walked away pretty calm, too. Seems like didn't talk about no blood, anyway. Maybe whatever's in there likes him. And Elise is going to hold up a finger, and she's going to say... Where did you say that Mr. Mercurio is? Oh, he went over to Roxbury Sanitarium. Him and his wife. She she went out there about, whoa, a month ago? Two months ago? He went insane ooh, about a year ago. Maybe two. They, Her and the kids tried to hang on until he got better, and then, oh, she got worse. Heard the kids got taken by some family members in Baltimore. Couldn't be com- com- couldn't come out themselves, so the state state just sent the kids over. That would explain why the toys are still there. That it would. You said she went just a month ago. Month or two, yeah. She wasn't still staying here, was she? Oh, she was. That's a, a little odd, because from the looks of things inside, looks like nobody's been in that house for at least a year. <laughs> Couldn't tell you about that. Old the Corbett house maybe just needs to darken itself to show off the mood that it's always been in. Oh, if, if houses can even have a mood. Oh, I don't know about that. 
Folks used to say, people, folks usually say houses have a kind of spirit to them. They think houses are warm or inviting. Do you uh, know much about Mr. Corbett? Nah, the old, old little legend. Something about him being tied to a uh, defunct sort of church. You wouldn't happen to know the name of that chapel, would you? Oh, Chapel of Contemplation, I think. Have you maybe heard where it's supposed to be? Oh, yeah, as he starts pointing. You see up that block that way, and he swings his arm. And you turn a bit there, and you see the kind of medium-sized building there. That one's blocking the ruins of the church. The end of the street. You wouldn't happen to know what turned it into ruins, would you? It was a fire. Damn shame. Well, that's a that's a damn shame. Uh, well, I think it had something to do with the police. They raided it in some form or fashion. Elise is just jotting all this down in her little notebook. Well, either way, thank you for your time, sir. Sure. As he's looking over his cigars and looking over his newspapers, not a problem at all. And uh, before we start heading out on, on our way, uh, John is going to go ahead and, and buy a cigar off of him. All right. Much much obliged. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. The, the least we can do, since you you did help us in our investigation. Thank you very much. As you guys kind of head out, start taking his directions. And been a little bit, right? A couple, few moments. As you finally get to where he pointed out, and what's left of the old church, where uh, what is left of the old church stands at the end of a crooked, dingy street. The ruins are so weather-worn and overgrown with vines, grass, the like, that the gray stone rubble seems more like natural stone than the former walls and foundations of any sort of church. You pass a slumped wall bearing a white painted symbol, apparently freshly swabbed. Three Ys arranged in a triangle so that the top element of each Y touches the other two Ys. In the center, so created, is the painting of a staring eye. Ye old Illuminati. <laughs> well, that's more than a little ominous. Elise is going to be flipping through the journals, seeing if she can find any mention or at least like sketch of the symbol that she's seeing. You do, and it is scribbled down in places regarding the, the church. One seems interesting, one particular passage of note. That's when we found it found the right angles of time and dimension, and cracked it. Saw that horrid thing, hulking, extra-dimensional entity, seeming an outlandish combination of crustacean, insect, and ape-like mammal. In places the hide seemed like thick and plated, like an insect, where other places the skin was loose and shifted like a paper bag. Black points of light appear to be eyes set deep in a rudimentary head, while the mouth appears to be a misshapen hole. Large, horrifying, talon-like claws protrude from the arms. I believe that this is how it clings to the angles between worlds and is able to shamble between dimensions and lurk 
beyond and in between the stars. Yeah, Elise reads that out, and she just looks flabbergasted, like... So not only was this guy crazy, he was part of a cult of other crazies? All evidence is pointing to it. Your voice is a bit sharper than you mean to. Just something about this place. Your voice, his voice seems higher pitch. The light just a bit brighter. See, this little bookworm really wants to read through these fucking journals now. I'd like to do a search of the ruin. Okay. How about you, John? Yes, let's, let's search the ruins together. See what we can find. You start going through the ruins, burnt timbers lying down on shifted earth, greenery, stone, rubble, things like that. Something feels off. Perhaps it's your that heightened kind of squeal in your ears. Perhaps it's the just subtle pain of the sun. Not quite obvious. Could I get both of you to roll luck, please? It's at this point that the ground beneath you isn't ground, it's floorboards, and they're rotted. As they break beneath you, I need you to roll jump, John. Alright. John, you jump as the ground beneath you is gone and your arms are flailing. Would you like to push this roll? Yeah, let's let's push it. Alright, how are you pushing it? What are you trying to do? What, what kind of desperate act are you doing to... Try and get yourself to the edge so that you don't fall. John is going to try to try to leap and kind of grasp for the ledge, or basically trying to reach for anything that might be sticking out of the ledge or the the wall underneath. Trying to get a hold of something. All right, push that roll. Or, uh, let's Cross see what happens. Fingers. Yeah, you succeed. As you jump, you grab the edge and your body swings, your legs dangling with Kyle there throwing his arm down and being able to pull you back up. And below you see a sub-level to the church, a basement. Oh, this is the most exciting case that I've been on in a while as he pulls himself back up with Kyle's help. Glad we didn't have to sacrifice your legs for that excitement. Or more. Or more. All right. What? How would you guys like to proceed? Uh, let's let's try to find a, a way down into that sub-level. Okay. Nothing here. You'd have to get something up here like a ladder or a rope. Yeah, general look around for a ladder or something to use to get down into that basement. Okay. Could you roll luck for me? All right. I sure, I sure can. You remember in the back of your car, you got some rope. You had that rope since the dognapper case back in 1915. We had to tie down a guy who was stealing a duchess's dog, knocked him to the ground and tied him up for the authorities. That should be enough rope to get you down there. Oh yeah, how could I have ever forgotten that case? I'm gonna go, I, I have some rope in my car, and then John will go and get the rope. Get the rope? And you tie it up. You will have to do a climb check, but you all have the advantage. One. So you rolled a 13, John. It doesn't seem like it matters very much for you, Kyle. Yeah, I'll just keep this. This seems good. <laughs> yeah, and it's always lower anyway, so it just seems very likely that the other 10's just not going to do much. Okay, and then roll a d10. You still didn't get it. That's a 51. So you could spend conceivably 21 luck, which is a lot. 
or really nope. what happens is yeah is your character kind of grabs hold they're, they're, they keep losing their grip they just cannot get a good hold so they'd either have to push push their roll or just decide to stay up here she's gonna stay up here okay kyle john you make your way to the bottom you land softly in this basement that seems to have been sealed off from the rest of the church originally reachable by what was clearly a separate stairway now buried under tons of rubble within this room next to a cabinet are two skeletons dressed in tattered silk robes perhaps they hid from the police and then perished in the fire as john reaches the the bottom of the rope he sees that elise isn't following or is having trouble and she's he, wearing heels baby and, he's not going anywhere and he calls up and says all right miss compton you you read those journals we'll see what's down here can do she's gonna probably go back outside where there's like more light okay and uh get to work all right keep busy and john will investigate those skeletons and maybe see if there's something in the cabinet too a thorough search Okay. Looking through the cabinet, you find old moldering church records. They they almost disintegrate to the touch. Uh, could I get a spot hidden, please? Looks like uh, no dice. What's your... Oh, Jesus, definitely no dice. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the How dice are against us today. Yeah. How about you, Kyle? Would you like to do a spot hidden? Sure. Or, John, you could push the roll somehow. I... With the bad luck that I've been having this session, I I think I think not pushing the roll would be better for everybody. Okay. All right. Kyle, you find the a, a musky a musty old journal. It falls to pieces as soon as you start turning the pages, but the name Walter Corbett catches your eye. An entry record that Walter Corbett was buried in the basement of his house in accordance with his wishes and with the wishes of that who waits in the dark. Alongside the journal is an enormous volume, an enormous volume, handwritten in Latin, but so rotten, worm-eaten, that whole sections seem to be no longer legible. Uh, can I translate it? Do you know Latin? I do. Okay, what's your read Latin? Uh, 50. Okay. You are able to read it. It seems to be a book that deals with occultic knowledge called the Liber Liber Ivonis, and that reading the full book would take about three hours. Will I safely be able to get it up the rope? Yes. Okay. Then I will store it in whatever means I have to store things. And those church records? Uh-huh. Would, would archaeology help at all with... Like, uh, opening one up to read it without destroying it? I don't believe so, no, because there was just no work done to preserve it. Okay. All right. So you get back up up there. All right, Miss Compton. Looks like uh, a professor here found a, a hefty book. Maybe the two of you can work together on it. She kind of claps her hands, like, excitedly. She just, she's, she's such a bookworm. Obviously, she hasn't had much time to do much reading, but... So... Do you want to divide and conquer then? He Yeah. He reads the Latin, you read the the journals and you reconvene. Sure. All right. So, uh Kyle, your 3-hour reading 
The Libris Ivanus, also known in earlier circles as the Book of Ebon, is a strange work. Talks about wizards in ancient times known as Hyboria and how they worked through the magic of another called Skelos. And during the times of when Pictish wizards and sh shaman would sometimes call down things from the stars. The tomb is fascinating and, well, disturbing. After a three-hour investigation into it, you've gained two points in the skill known as Cthulhu Mythos, and your permanent sanity drops from 99 to 97. Your two-day reading, yep. Elise, you get similar things. Various spells, strange workings, a tale of searching for the one from the dark, the outer one, the lord of dreams, he who stands on the dark side of the moon, herald of the crawling chaos, the things that come between. You gain four to the Cthulhu Mythos skill and lose okay. four points of sanity. Got it. After two days, you all reconvene. Yes, Elise will share her findings. Kind of just a, you know, a spark notes sort of thing. I will do the same. Sounds like the t sounds like the two of you have been picking up a little bit of the the madness yourselves. I I don't understand anything that you're saying. You know, it's probably for the best. You remember with vivid and disturbing detail the odd equations, drawings and mappings to call one of those lurkers, the clawed creatures, the things that seem to hang between worlds. That sure is a whole lot of nope. What now? Well, we could try going to that sanatorium. Well, sanitarium, however you pronounce it. Well, we could try our luck there, but uh, none of us are medical doctors, so we'd have to talk our way in. I have an idea on how to get us in. It's a woman's touch. And by all means. Alright, you guys head over to the sanitarium. If you head that way, you... They will let you do... They, there is some time for visiting. And the the orderly at the front is like, Oh, uh, you mean Vittorio Mercurio? Yep. Sure, him and his wife. Uh, his wife has better visiting hours, though. Uh, you're gonna have to be very calm with him. Uh... Vittorio is in a delicate place. I totally understand. Like I said before, we're family friends. You know, just kind of rolling with it. Okay. As you head there, you see him in his room. He's withdrawn, shaking. He looks at you with glazed eyes, shivering, clutching a Bible close to his chest. And Elise is going to take a very gentle approach. Um, okay. I'm assuming he's like he's sitting on like a like a chair. Yeah. Is there a chair adjacent that she could sit next to him? Yes. It is. Uh, both chairs are bolted to the floor. Okay. So she's going to you know gently take a seat. She's going to introduce herself and her companions, and she's going to immediately settle on the um, Bible in his hands, and she's going to hold out her own hands, uh, palm up, and she's going to ask, uh, "May I read a little bit for you?" As he hands over the Bible, slowly shaking. And, uh, you know, she smiles and uh, 
Are there any, like, um, bookmarks or anything? Like, he's been doing any avid reading? Any favorite passages that she could pick out? It seems like he's been reading it cover to cover just consistently for the past year. Okay. She's going to probably open it, flip through a couple of the pages for a little bit, and then settle on one that seems very peaceful. Okay. You know, inspire hope or anything Mm -hmm. like that, or peace. But she would definitely, you know, read a little bit and then hand it back. Okay. And say, uh, you know, thank you. You're a very good listener. As he nods and he looks at you, he shakes for a moment, and then he opens the Bible and he throws his hand and points to a passage, his finger smudging the page so you can't really get a good look as he goes, By his own weapon, the devil is worsted! As he starts to scream and cackle, as he falls back and the orderlies start to pull you away and get you out of his room. Well, shit. What about his wife? We could try maybe visiting her. You can. She's in a kind of a a nicer place, a, a, a more calm room. Is she sitting? Yes. And Lisa's going to walk in very gently, like she had before, um, introduce her friends, and sit next to her. And um, she's going to kind of take a look around the room, you know, take a deep breath, you know, that sort of thing, like that she means no harm, that she's just existing there. And she's going to have her little notebook in her lap. And she's going to say, I'm going to get right to the point. We are here because we are doing an investigation on the house that you moved from. And she crosses herself. And she nods, like, at least nods. She understands. Um, and she said, uh, she says, um, we've already been in there. And I can see why it drove you mad and why you're here. Seen the presence then. And she nods very solemnly. And she reaches over and kind of touches the top of the woman's hand. Um, I'm assuming on like the armrest of the chair. Mm-hmm. Like reassuringly. And she says, we know all about it. And I sympathize with you. You've gone through so much. You and your husband and your children. It, it hated Vittorio the most. And concentrated... It's anger on him. When it was angry, especially it threw things, dishes or other things around the room. And Lisa's going to be jotting this down. And she's going to kind of tilt her head and, you know, ask, can you tell us anything of note? Anything that you might remember? Any any pieces of, you know, information that, you know, we might not find elsewhere? Nighttime. Nighttime is was the worst it would come into our room i would see it leaning over me burning fire in its eye always at night always she looks at you her stare becomes blank and she kind of shakes and her her expression goes motionless and stoic yet tears simply leak out the side of her eyes and they just constantly stream and she seems unable to speak and at least is going to try and center her back in the present you know kind of pat her hand offer like some reassuring touches to the shoulder and just say you know it's okay you're not there anymore the more you kind of touch and like try and get her out of it she starts to shake more as if a violent outburst may come forth okay so i think elise will back off 
and take what little notes that she was able to get um, and, you know, do the whole, like, you know, thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Okay. Well. And uh, I guess as we're leaving the sanatorium, we're starting to leave. Um, John says, nice job. Well, I was able to get at least something out of one of them. Something is better than nothing. Yes, and after seeing them, I would have expected us to come back with nothing. Uh, yeah. It'd probably be better if we went during the day, though. Just judging by what she was saying. I agree. I do not want to step into that house at night. Alright. And so, you wait another day, and you come back to the house... Looking at the house again, do we feel anything different, or is it still as dark and gloomy as before? It is still just as dark and gloomy as before, and worse yet, all the curtains are closed. Don't like that. Alright, before we go in again, I I think we need to I think we need to discuss our options because there is something not natural in this house. Whether it's a ghost or spirit or something else entirely i i think we need to come up with a a plan to destroy whatever it is or or at least take the house down with it if it comes to that as a last resort i don't think our benefactor would like us burning down his property we might be out all the money that we are owed we and can let we can let him destroy his own property and not to mention potentially imprisoned you're right. I got a little a little ahead of myself there. The last few days, I I think all that I think the paranoia is starting to rub off on me. She's gonna reach up, grab his shoulders, give him a give him a good good little shake, and be like, "Can you hold it together for us?" Yes, I can. Just and John's gonna just shot sigh and relax some of the tension in his shoulders and say, "All right, well, I suppose they're." last place to look would be the basement. That seems to be where everything is leading. Alright, fellas. Let's do this. You get to the house. You enter, once again. As you start getting closer and closer to the basement door upstairs from that same room, you start hearing (laughs) constantly just shaking, beating, moving around. It sounds like the upstairs is going to come down around your ears, at least from that room. As you get to the stairwell. I need either a climb or dexterity, whichever is better. Heels, baby. All right. So, no success. Success, success. As you feel yourself kind of shaking, is the all of you feel like the stairwell is uneven or seems to shift under your very feet. Would you, Elise, like to push the roll? With my dice luck, no. It's all, all right, well, then you are... Trapped upstairs. Gentlemen, downstairs, you're in a smallish room. There's scattered tools, a pipe, a trash can lid, lumber, nails, screws, and so forth. Just hanging around everywhere. Corbett was buried in his basement. I I doubt this is the only thing in it. Uh, John is going to start looking around, seeing if maybe there's... Maybe there's a trap door or something okay. uh, hidden away. All right, so you start going through. There is another uh, door down here. 
that leads to kind of a storage bin that's attended for coal. But as you're moving around looking, you get to the wall and you start pressing against it. You notice that the the wall, the far wall, and the longest wall is just boards. It's not concrete. Uh, how sturdy are the boards? Is it something you, I could pull? Yeah, if you're knocking at them, you feel like you could try and use some of the pipes or something like that to start breaking them out and pulling them out. All right, John will do that. He'll grab a pipe and start prying the boards loose. Okay, as you start trying to pry the boards loose. Okay. Uh, all right, John. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I need you, John and Kyle, to roll sanity. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right, give me a sec. You both see a knife float in midair, turn, and launch itself full force into John as it pierces through his back and starts puncturing out the front as it does 12 points of damage. Ow. Uh, yes. Uh, Kyle, take one point of sanity. 12 points of damage, I think that actually knocks Oof. me down to zero. Okay, so John, John died. John, knife shoots through John as it pierces his heart. You see the blade quivering. You gasp your last gasp and you fall back. Kyle will yell, no, John. And, and at least, at least all, you hear, of... yeah, you hear that and then you hear a thud. Can she see downstairs like at all? No, it's dark. The lights don't turn on. Oh, geez. I guess she would try again, maybe to come down. All right, so you're gonna push the roll. the wall. Yeah, you, I, all right. yeah I guess. Yeah, push in the roll. All right, roll for me, please. You succeeded. As you grasp the wall, it shakes and you get down and you see the body of John hanging there, blood bleeding, blood leaking out and covering the floor with a knife in his back and no one here but Kyle. She's going to just scream and like, I guess, rush forward and try and help John before she realizes it's too late. Okay. As you grab his body, you shake him. The blade lodged firmly in his, between his vertebrae and his ribs puncturing all the way through and into his heart. And she's going to look up at Kyle and say, what did you do? Why? No, it he broke the boards and a knife just rose up and flew at us. And she's gonna grab the, the knife and I guess pull it out. Okay, perfect. Not, uh, could you roll power? Really, uh, oh. Please. <laughs> If you would be so kind. <laughs> Alright, so this succeeded. So you hear a call in your mind, distant, a crackling voice for two rounds. As you hear in your head, he killed John. Stab him. Alright, so we're doing combat. What are your guys' dexterities? Highest dexterity gets to go first. Uh, mine is 40. Uh, 60. 60, okay. So, Kyle, what would you like to do? Well, I am assuming that I know that she is going to try and stab me. Yep. I am going to try and run. Okay, you're going to try and run upstairs? I think that that's the best bet, yeah. Okay, you can do that. I need you to roll dexterity, please. No. As you try and run up the stairs, the stairs kind of move on you, and you slip and do one point of da damage as you slip and kind of get this. Uh, so, Elise, you may stab him. Uh, Kyle, you may dodge at the disadvantage. Oh, no. You succeed. 
Actually, uh, it's a hard, so it doesn't matter. But now roll 1d4 plus 2, plus any size bonus that you have. Size damage bonus or damage bonus. I don't think you have any. Mm-mm, nope. The only one that had it was John. Five oh, damage. No. Oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> As you feel the sharp pain in your back, Kyle, uh, what's your total HP? It is 12, and now I am down to six. Okay, well, at least she didn't do six, because if she did six, you'd have had a major wound. There's still time. There's, there's plenty of time. To kill me. <laughs> as you feel the sharp pain as she slices and you feel this just slash in your back. Round two. Kyle is going to try to grapple her to take the knife away. Perfect. That's a fighting maneuver. Grapple. You do. You both do an opposed brawl check. Wow. Oh, no. I mean, that's good on him. Oh. Holy sh- So you guys are stuck just grappling between each other. Neither one getting the upper hand <laughs> as you just boom, boom, back and forth, fighting over this knife as it moves back and forth. And at this point, like, Elise is, she's got problems, she's definitely crying, like, in your head. She's so angry. In your head, because it's still your turn and you still are dominated, you hear, let go of the knife, grab go- John's gun. And she's going to let go of the knife. And you drop and you grab John's gun. All right, it's round two. Uh, Elise, add 50 to your initiative because you have a gun, and that means you can shoot faster than Kyle could stab. Wait, is it round three now, though? Oh, round three, yeah. So the, the oh. dominate's gone, though, but you have the gun out pointed at Kyle. Has she... Does she know that she just did that? Yes. Um, But she can, like... Like, how, how does it feel, like, losing that dominate? Is like, there, like... It's, it's just that the voice is quiet now. And er- you don't feel as dizzy. Before you kind of like in a daze. And now you're kind of like clarity's coming back. She's probably going to hesitate. Because she's not a fighter. She's a student. Probably yeah. a student of his. And she's already like in tears. And she's just, she's holding the gun. She pr- doesn't even know how to fucking hold one or fire one. And she's just going to hesitate. And she's going to ask why. Why did you do it? Elise, please, I didn't. Why would I? He was my friend. She is going to get back up, and she knows one thing is that she needs to call the police. Okay. Before anything else gets out of hand. And so she's going to try and run up the stairs. Okay, roll dexterity, please. I'm going to laugh if she fucking falls. Kyle, the blade gets yanked out of your hand and floats there. You succeed, Elise. Um, would she have seen the, the knife get yanked out you of You have, hand? you have, and so I need a sanity roll. Oof. Two sanity loss. But if she saw the knife, like, come out of his, come out of his hand, like, on its own volition, uh, mm-hmm. she would, she would stop, um, and completely believe, like, what he just told her. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. And then uh, probably try and help and get him the hell out of that basement. As upstairs you hear a... As the door slams, the door you came oh through. Oh boy. What do you do? What? Sorry, do you mean the door to the basement or the door to the outside? The door to the outside and the door to the basement. Okay, so I am now conceivably trapped in the basement, yes? Yes. Do I have a light source? You you do. Okay, well, if it's not on, it needs to be. Yep. As you pull out your Zippo lighter and... Well... Dim glow. I will try to get up the stairs, I guess, just because... That seems the most likely thing for me to try. Okay. 
And as you try that, the knife goes and it strikes you. And that does six damage, so you have a major wound. Am I not dead, though? How much damage did you take, total? Twelve, my health. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, the knife <laughs> went through. So, Elise, he's coming up to you, and a knife just flings up and slits his throat as it boomerangs across and ba- bounces behind you. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. She's going to try and grab the knife. Okay. To Strength throw, please. Control. All right. You get it. And what she's going to try and do is get it into somewhere where it can't fling around. Is there anything that she can see in the, in, you know, the very dim light because of a lighter? Um, There's clothes you could wrap it in, like old, dirty. Yep, she's going to do that, like anything. You do that, and from behind the walled panelings, you hear a... And, uh... Could she like pinpoint exactly where it was? Yep, it's the uh, the wall, the 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 boarded up wall. Okay, she's going to. She's pissed at this point. Like her friends are fucking dead. She she's really confused as to what exactly is going on. She just knows that this knife is flinging itself around of its own volition, and she's just going to stand up as tall as she can. Because this is, you know, this is kind of her final stand. If she can't get out, she's going to go down fighting. Um, and she just takes a really deep breath in and says, Face me yourself! The door, or the the things explode out as you see the man push out. Lurk it, he stands up, pallet, he just pale as death. Standing some six feet skinny, naked, with wiry saucer-like eyes and a nose like a knife blade. Some sort of chain rests around his neck. He has lost all of his hair and his sunken gums make his teeth look long and unnaturally pointed. And from him you get this sharp, sweet, churling scent like rotting corn and his hands have a strange kind of mild claws. All right. Dexterity, you go first in combat. I need a sanity roll first, seeing okay. him move around. Yep. Yeah, you succeed. Only one loss, one point of sanity loss. All right, and now it's your action. Yeah, she's just gonna run up, let out this blood-curdling scream, and she's gonna try and stab him. Okay, roll your brawl, please. Fuck. He, you, you stab and you miss as it. He moves, he's slow and sluggish, but he moves a little bit as his arm rears back, slowly revealing his filthy, just grime-covered hands and claws as he misses. (laughs) And you jump out of the way just in time. All right, you may go again. Dang nabbit. Do you want to spend five luck? Yes. You hit him, 1d6 plus two. As you strike and his skin parts and cracks like it's made of stone, but it makes way for the blade in your hand and does four points of damage as he gives this grunt and a bit of a roar and he swings at you. Still misses as you're able to leap away. Next round. Stabbing again, I take it? Yep. All right. Nice. Seven damage as you strike... Your blade does an amazing job as he grunts 
Enraged, he screams and rears back, his claws coming straight for you. He gets an extreme, so that would be... Oh, that's a lot of damage. Oh, dear. That is 3, 7, 12. All right. All right. As you stab, you hold it in, and he goes, I will never leave this house as his claws grab, and he smashes your face down into the floor as you feel yourself losing consciousness before he starts slamming over and over and over again. Epilogue. Two weeks later, at the University of Boston, a dorm room opens. It's just so disturbing. The cops had said that they hadn't found anything about Elise yet? Nor the professor? No, I guess not. I know the coppers have been all over this place talking to people in her class. I think there's even something in the papers now looking for her, but all local? At least what I heard. Maybe they'll put something on the radio. Uh, maybe. Uh, it's a good thing that we were able to get access here. Let's, let's just kind of look around, see what we can find. Absolutely. As the two students rummage through Elise's things... One of them finally calls out. Hey, check this out. Here. It's, What's uh... That? Well, I... I don't know. It's... It's not hers. It's a journal. Something belonging to... W. Corbett? Corbett? Wasn't that related to that house she was looking into with the professor and their private investigator friend? That, uh... That guy, John, I think his name was? Uh, I think you're right. I guess... Yeah, Corbett. It kind of just slipped my mind when she mentioned it. I figured it was resolved. Huh. How about we go take a look? I mean, what's the harm in looking, right? No, absolutely. Let's let's go. Hope she's okay. And the mystery continues. Thank you to everyone who listened. <laughs> we'll, we'll catch you in that next episode. They all can't be uplifting. <laughs> Bye. Wah, wah, wah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>